0: We give glory to your name. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the coming King. And God, we thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning as we discuss heaven. And I pray that you would... Uh, speak through me, Father, that, um, that, that the words that I say would be anointed by your Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week, we uh, started a sermon series uh, called Heaven. And in my talk last week, I mentioned how uh, generally in the church, uh, there's some fuzzy views of what heaven is like. Um, and uh, the reason why, and I mentioned in my talk that part of the reason why there's some fuzzy views about what heaven is like in the church, especially in North America, is because we seldom talk about heaven in church. And it's interesting because Jesus, his message was about heaven, that the kingdom of heaven is near. I mean, the, it was, he preached the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus talked about it a lot, but we seldom hear about it in church. But the thing is that the topic of heaven is actually very popular um, in in mainstream out there. I mean, it's it's very popular today, the topic of heaven. If you were to go on Amazon, type in heaven on the search bar on amazon.ca, I mean, you'd see pages and pages and pages of books on heaven. Right, there's so many books on heaven. Heaven is for real, 90 minutes in heaven, 40 minutes in heaven, I was in heaven, I saw heaven, heaven, right? There's just so many. And and, and and of all those books, there's they're not all Christian books. Right? There's mainstream books on heaven. And so the topic of heaven is very popular today. And we see that in the media as well. There's movies and uh, shows that we see, um, heaven is depicted very, uh, very much so in art. And so because of all this, I think what it does, what we see in the movies, what we see in art, and what we see in the media, um, it further pushes us into this fuzzy haze of what heaven is like. right? So what do I mean by fuzzy views of heaven? What does that mean? What, what am I talking about? Well, if I were to ask you a question, okay, I'm going to ask you a question, and it's this. What do you think heaven will be like? If I were to ask you that question, how would you answer that question? What do you think heaven will be like? What comes to your mind? Now for some, nothing will come to your mind. You might say, I I don't know. I don't know what heaven is going to be like. And for others, you might say, well, heaven is going to be You know, you you might give an abstract answer something like, you know, heaven's going to be just joy and bliss in the presence of God. And and that's true. Absolutely it's true. But I'll ask a, a question to follow up on that question. It's, well, what does that look like? What does that look like? And when we think about that, things can get even fuzzier. Now, I don't know if it was just me, okay? Perhaps some of you have thought this way about heaven as well. I sure did. But... When I thought about heaven and what it would be like in heaven, I just pictured that it would be like I would be floating around, okay? That there would be clouds and harps and people floating around, okay? We're just disembodied spirits flying around. And here's the thing. I mean, I've always wanted to fly ever since I was five, Right? I think I've shared this story once at Trinity. When, when I was five, I actually thought if I truly believed I could fly, I would fly. And so I was five years old. I was at my, you know, in my parents' living room. I was on one couch. There's a couch, coffee table, couch. Okay? And the distance is probably about the, the distance of the pew here. Right? And so I thought, all right, here I go. If I just believe I can fly you know, to infinity and beyond, I'll fly. And I actually attempted to do this And I ended up landing on the coffee table. It was glass, glass coffee table, totally shattered it, got cuts on my feet and my legs. I'm five years old, and I'm like, oh, man, that didn't work. Man, I wish I could fly. I'll just have to wait till I go to heaven then, man, right? Instead, I got the wrath of my parents. Man, they were so livid. Oh, man, I think that's when my dad started losing his hair. Right? And so this idea that we'll be floating around in heaven, although it may be a fun idea, it's not a biblical idea at all. It's just not in the Bible. right? Now, last week we covered the fact that Jesus talked a lot about heaven. Right? And in his message, he said the kingdom of heaven is near. He said the kingdom of heaven is upon you. He said the kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you. He said the kingdom of heaven is within you. Okay? In other words, heaven is now. Heaven can be experienced now. We experience heaven now in powerful ways. When Jesus came and he preached the gospel of the kingdom, he did so with demonstrations of the kingdom. He healed the sick. The blind eyes would open. Those who are demon-possessed would be set free. Right? That's evidence of the kingdom breaking in. The evidence of the kingdom breaking in happens inside our hearts when we become transformed. Heaven is now when we become transformed from the inside out, when we begin to see ourselves differently. Heaven is now when we begin to see others differently. Heaven is now when we begin to look out into God's creation and we see creation differently. This is God's world. This is my Father's world. We see things differently. Heaven is here. Now, within us. However, although we can experience heaven now, we still struggle with the problems of this age. There's still struggles. There's still suffering. There's still war. There's still strife that happens, right? Although heaven is here, it's partially here. It's not fully here. And so last week we talked about heaven is now. This week we're going to look at the fact that heaven is also Not yet Heaven is also Not yet So let me explain it this way from the beginning In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth He created the sky, the sea He created the land He created the birds and the fish And the beasts of the field Every creepy crawly thing And then he created humankind And he saw all that he created And he said it was very good God saw his creation and said it was very good. He was pleased with his creation and he created it to dwell with creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? Heaven, like we mentioned last week, means where God is. Right? Our Father who art in heaven. Heaven is where God is. Well, in the beginning, heaven was here. It was one place. God dwelled here. Genesis 2 talks about God walking in the cool of the day. Listen, heaven is here. It was here. But then when you read on in Genesis 3, because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, sin and death entered the world, and now this creation became tainted. It became tainted with sin and death. And as you continue reading on in Genesis to Genesis 20, you see the evidence of this taintedness with God's creation. It was tainted. The the ground was tainted to the point where natural disasters now happen. Right? Humanity was tainted to the point where war happens. There's famine. There's suffering. There's struggle and sorrow. This is the present age that we're in. The present age where Genesis 3, the curse of Genesis, Genesis 3, continues to exist. But when Jesus came, his message was this. The kingdom of heaven is near. And it began to break into this present age. And there's pockets and evidence here, there, here, there of the kingdom breaking through and setting people free from the powers of this evil age. And so Jesus came with that message. Yes, heaven is breaking through now. But the fullness of it is not here yet. And we still live with the perils of this evil age. Because we still live with the perils of this evil age, we view heaven in certain ways. And there's two ways where we can view heaven. In fact, there's probably more, but I'm going to focus on two. Okay? Two ways in the church how we view heaven in light of the perils of this age. Number one, it's influenced by Plato. Number two, it's influenced uh, through Jewish thinking. So Greek thinking, Jewish thinking. Now I'm going to get a little bit philosophical on you, okay? We're going to go into a little bit of philosophy, okay? So first view, and I would argue that most in the West have influenced, have been influenced through Plato, Plato's view, okay? So what is Plato's view? Plato is probably the most famous Greek philosopher that you would know. You know, maybe Plato and Aristotle. Plato was the man, man. He he's very famous. Right? He, Plato was born four centuries before Christ. And what Plato introduced to the world was this philosophical idea called dualism. We're gonna get all matrixy on you now, okay? We're gonna go we're gonna go into the matrix now, okay? You know what you know what Plato said? You know what dualism means? This is what Plato said, okay? Plato said that the material world, okay, so all that you see, the lights, the pews, James Park standing in front of you, okay, the trees, the buildings, everyone, everything that we see, the material world is not real, okay, that world isn't real, what is real is the idea behind all of these things, that's the real world, so in other words, this table here, right, this black table, we all see it, right? This physical table isn't real. In its physical form, it's not real. The idea behind the table is real. Matrix, right? That's what Plato brought forth. And you know what? Here's the thing. It has greatly influenced Christian thinking, right? So when it comes to thinking about earth and heaven with a Plato view, we look at earth as this place that's not real. It's not the be-all, end-all. Look, earth is just, it's bad and we need to escape it. That's how it will translate into our thinking of heaven and earth because earth is something that needs to be escaped, right? Last week, I, I talked about how earth is like Alcatraz. We, we view earth to be kind of like Alcatraz. It's this island prison and, and heaven's on the other side of the water and we need to get out of here, right? And, and so this Plato view um, Plato's dualism, the whole goal behind Plato's dualism was to set people free from the bondage of this world by saying, look, all this that you experience, all this that you see, it's not real. It's the metaphysical, the the, the idea, the realms of ideas. That's the real world. So don't get caught up in all this. That's what Plato's um, purpose was in dualism. Um, But it greatly influenced um, the way we view heaven. Now, if this was your view of heaven, like this. If this is your view of heaven, right, it's more influenced by Plato than it is from Jewish thinking, right? And if this was your view of heaven, I, don't fret, okay? Don't beat yourself up over it. You know why? Because the early church fathers, they were all influenced by Plato. I mean, we're talking Augustine, St. Augustine, right? He wrote amazing works, was very, very much influenced by Plato, And so the way the early church fathers would would, would put it, they would say, you know, Greek philosophy helps the Gentiles make sense of the word of God and of theology. And in in many ways, it's true. And and Greek philosophy has helped uh, in in some ways with theological thinking. Um, It's produced some good things. However, when it comes to heaven and thinking of heaven, what we need to do is... Align our minds to Jewish thinking and really biblical thinking. So, what is the biblical view? Again, going back to Genesis, God created heaven, the heavens and the earth, to be his abode. This is where he's to dwell. This is his dwelling place. Okay? God created the heavens and the earth to dwell among his creation. That's God's design, that's his intention. Uh, To make heaven the place where God is to be here on earth. Unfortunately, sin tainted the earth. But you see, watch what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. This is what it says. Okay, I'm going to read it. This is actually from the New American Standard Version. Um, It says that Jesus says this. Truly I say to you that you who have followed me In the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. In the regeneration. What is that? What does that mean? Now, in my, I use the English Standard Version, it says, in the new world. Okay? Some of you may have a translation that says in the new age. Okay? Well, that word, the, the Greek word for regeneration or new world or new age is the word Okay, The word polygonesia. And what that word means is renovation. It means renovation, recreation. So what Jesus is saying is this, that earth will be renovated earth will be recreated we're not going anywhere heaven's coming here that's the jewish view of heaven heaven's coming here revelation 21 verse 1 to 5 says this then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Right there, let's just pause for a moment. From, from a plate, if, if, if our minds are being influenced more by Plato, we'll read that verse and say, See? See? Earth is going to pass away. It's going to be gone, right? The material world and all that is in here, it's going to get, you know, destroyed, and we're going to be whisked away somewhere else, right? But let's keep reading on. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. I love this part. I love it. He will wipe away every. Tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. This gives us a beautiful picture of what heaven is going to be like. Do you want to know what heaven's going to be like? Heaven's going to be like earth, only better, much better. Heaven's going to be like earth. You know, it's like an old house, okay? You have an old, old house, and it needs major upgrading. The carpet, it's orange shag carpet from 1950, man, okay? The walls, there's mold on the, mo- on the walls. You heat your house by electric heating, maybe something old, coal heating, I don't know. Anyway, something old, okay? You look at this old house, you're like, man, this needs to get renovated. And so you take out the old shag carpet, you put in hardwood. You take out the old knob and tube electrical, you know, those of you who are electrically minded here, right, you know what I'm saying, right? You take out the old knob and tube electrical wiring, you know, that stuff that could burn <laughs> your house down. You, you get rid of that and you put in the 21st century electric, electrical uh, lines, right? Wires. Upgrade. Total upgrade. Right? That's what's going to happen. Total renovation. That's what heaven's going to be like. God's going to recreate things, He's going to renovate things. Life in heaven is going to be like like life on earth, only much better. Just picture this moment. Just picture with me moments like this on earth, okay? Where you're just sitting, it's summer. Although winter's beautiful, you look outside; it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful, but it's only beautiful when you're inside looking out. <laughs> when you're out there, you're like, "Oh man, it's freezing." But uh, picture: it's a summer day. It's beautiful. It's beautiful out. The sun's shining. There's there's not too many clouds in the sky. Blue sky. It's just beautiful. And you're out somewhere, perhaps by a gentle, flowing stream of water. You know, there's no hustle and bustle of the city. Just it's just quaint. You hear the birds chirping. For parents with young kids, your kids are just chilling. Okay? They're just chilling. and They're not fighting with each other and saying, Mommy! And then, no, it's just not happening for a moment. Just, it's just not happening for a moment. And you're just in this moment. And, and when you're in moments like that, don't you find that it, it feels like time just stops? It's as if time stops. Right? You don't have a worry in your mind it's just, you're in this moment. You're, you're basking in this moment and you're saying, I just wish this never ends. Have you ever had a moment like that? Right? Heaven is going to be like that forever. Forever. That's what heaven's going to be like. We're going to walk by streams. We're going to have conversations with each other. Forever. Not a care, not a worry, nothing. Forever. Heaven's gonna be like those times when you're around friends and family, you know? Those times where you, you're sitting together and you're laughing, joking about something, and it's just funny. We're gonna be joking in heaven. I can't wait to go to heaven and be like, or I can't wait to be there, you know? And just, I look at Peter and be like, Peter, man, what was it like to deny Jesus three times, man? What, what was that all about? You know? <laughs> anyway, he probably rebuked me. But anyway, just, you know, joke around, right? We're gonna, we're gonna have fun. It's gonna be joyful it's going to be like life here only 2.0 redone renovated recreated restored back to its original state of what god intended it for to be prior to genesis 3 that is what heaven's going to be like now some of us might ask well what about our bodies right what about our bodies the bible talks about having resurrected bodies right first corinthians 15 what does that mean What, what what does that mean Now, when you read 1 Corinthians 15, um, again, the Plato view and the Jewish view will come into play. Because Paul uses this um, terminology. He says, you know, now our bodies are perishable, but one day we'll be imperishable. And so the Plato view will say, ah, see? So we're going to be, you know, taken to this imperishable uh, state, right? And again, the physical world isn't real. The idea world is real. And so we're going to be an idea of a body. Whatever that means, right? I mean, a disembodied spirit floating around, right? But for, from a Jewish perspective, it's, it's our body. It's this body only recreated, renovated, restored, right? Think about it this way. Jesus, his body, when he died and he was in the tomb, what happened? He rose again bodily. His bo- the tomb was empty. It wasn't like, Jesus' body was there and, and it, it's de- he's dead and all of a sudden another body appears. It wasn't like that or the shaft of light, right? No, his, b- he bodily resurrected. He had a resurrected body, right? To the point where Thomas, Thomas looks at Jesus, he's like, whoa, look at those holes in his hands, right? It was his same body only recreated, renovated, re- regenerated, renewed, restored, right? That's what the resurrected body is. We will have resurrected bodies, much like our bodies here, only without the taintedness of sickness and disease. It will not be tainted with toxins and cancers. It will not be tainted with death, but it will be full of life. And guess what? We're going to recognize each other in heaven. You're going to see me and be like, hey, James, what's up? Like, hey, what's up? We'll be high-fiving forever. That's what it's going to be like. We're going to recognize each other. You know, one of the things, fascinating, I remember uh, when Jeff and Sandra were sharing uh, maybe almost two months ago now, when they were sharing about this, uh, Sandra was saying how, you know, she was wondering whether or not she would recognize her kids in heaven, right? And I never thought about this, but she brought up Matthew 17, uh, the the transfiguration, when Jesus takes up Peter, James, and John up to the the high mountain and... uh, He's transfigured, he's glowing, and all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear. And it's like, how in the world did Peter, James, and John know that that was Moses and Elijah, right? They didn't have name tags. You know, I'm Moses. Hello, I'm Moses. That wasn't there. At least I don't think so, right? They just knew. They just knew. They recognized each other. Listen, we're going to recognize each other, right? We're going to see each other and be like, hey, how's it going, Derek, man? Let's go running forever, Right? No 31K, infinity K, man. We're going to run forever, okay? We're going to recognize each other. Now, this might also raise the question, you know, because when we think about this, we say, well, what about our family members who have passed away, right? What about our our, our moms or dads or uh, close friends, family? What about them? Where are they now, right? Because from the moment they die until this recreation of heaven and earth, There's this period. What is that period and where are they? That's a very good question. Theologians call this the intermediate state. The period um, right after you die until God recreates earth and heaven comes down and it's new heaven, new earth. Until that time, there's this intermediate state. Catholics, they say it's purgatory and you're going to absolve your sins and all this kind of funny stuff. Anyway, but uh, the church... Typically believes that you know this intermediate state is going to be a state where you're in rest and you're in the presence of god and you know what last week i mentioned this jesus was on the cross the two thieves are beside him one of the thieves looks over at, at jesus and says jesus lord would you please remember me in paradise and jesus looks to him and says today you will be with me in paradise what does that mean that means after we die For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we're with Jesus. How that looks, I'm not exactly sure. But one thing is for sure, they're with Jesus. There's no place I'd rather be, however that looks. And so for our family members, my grandma who passed away at age 13, this is very, you know, it's still very, I, I miss her dearly. She raised me, my grandma raised me, um... My parents were very busy working, you know, several jobs just to make ends meet back when I was born, when I was a little kid. So my grandma was the one who raised me. And, uh, you know, I still think back and think, oh, I wish I could have treated her nicer and all this, you know. And so I miss her. Uh, But one of the things that I'm so thankful for is that she accepted Christ. And uh, when she was in the hospital, uh, nearing her time of death, uh, my mom was with her and she was singing, my grandma was singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, uh, in Korean. And that was just such a confirmation for us, right? Thinking, wow, that's so amazing. She's, she's with Jesus now, right? And when that recreation happens, I'm gonna recognize her. I'm gonna recognize her. Grandma! You know, it's gonna be like that. And that's how it's gonna be with those of us, families, family and friends who've, who've gone on to be with the Lord. Listen, you're gonna recognize them. Okay? Right now they're with Jesus. When the recreation happens, uh, they're going to have a resurrected body. We're going to have a resurrected body. We're going to know each other. Okay? So with all that was mentioned last week, this week, we could talk for way longer about heaven. But with all that's being mentioned about heaven, how do we, in light of all that, live life on earth? Right? How are we supposed to live Here now, in light of what we know, that heaven is now, that we experience heaven now, but it is also not yet. The fullness hasn't yet come. With our knowing of that, how do we live now? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? God is calling us to live our lives with heaven in mind, with heaven as our vision, that we we taste and see that the Lord is good, we taste and see the, the, the realness of the kingdom now and we look forward to the fullness later. We're supposed to live in light of that. And and it's interesting. Christ gives us an analogy. And the analogy he uses is that of investing. Investment. Right? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's using investing language. Right? Now, when we talk about investment, we usually think of money. Right? We invest money. But there's a resource that we have as humans that we have that is more valuable than money. Time. Time is an extremely important resource. In fact, perhaps the most important resource we have. And it's not like any other resource that we have. Time, it's, it's different from every other resource. Do you know why? We cannot borrow time. You cannot buy it. You cannot rent it. You cannot make it. You can't save it. You can't lend it. You can only spend it. Right? You can only spend time. Some of us, we like to say things like, oh, I saved time by doing this. Or I saved time driving by going this way. Listen, I understand what we're saying when we say that, but you can't save time. It's what they're really saying is, I spent less time doing this, I spent less time driving down Weber instead of Northfield because of the crazy construction, right? (laughs) You can't save time. You can only spend it. And so how are we spending our time? Answering that question will tell you where your heart is. Now, of course, there's valuable things that we invest our time in on earth valuable things it is valuable to spend time with your family it is valuable so many times I receive wise counsel from parents who have kids who are now you know who have their own kids they say James you're never gonna get this time back right you're never gonna get it back spend time with your family invest in your family And I'm still not perfect at that, but you know, but yes, it is something very important. So there are valuable things that we invest our time in. We invest our time with in in relationships, with friends, with those who may not know the Lord yet, but you just know that God's doing things in their lives. We're investing time in being with them, drawing them into the kingdom of heaven, right? We invest our time, our, our time in spending time with the Lord, however much time you use for that, it's investing in our relationship with God, being in His Word, in worship, in prayer, gathering with the saints, in fellowship. That's good investment of the time that God has given you, how you spend it. And so, those are valuable things. But what about those things that are not so valuable like Netflix. How many of you know what Netflix is? Okay. Man, Netflix is a black hole for time. Okay. And I'm saying this because I know I, I, I fall into this black hole from time, from time to time. You can watch the entire four seasons of Downton Abbey in two sittings if you wanted to. Right? You can watch the entire nine seasons. I mean, how many hours is that? You know? Nine seasons of a show. It's called binge watching. And man, I'm telling you, okay? Confession. I've fallen into that black hole. And, and, and there's times where I wonder, you know, the, the kids go to bed and it's 8.30 and I'm on the computer and all of a sudden, it's midnight. <laughs> what? Where did that time go? And, and I, in the moment, it's like, hey, this is great. I'm watching a show. And then afterward, when it's like midnight and four hours later, you're like... What did I do with that time, you know? What a waste. What a waste of time. Now, I'm not totally against us, you know, having a good time, chilling out. But here's a question I have for you. How much time do you invest on things like that for yourself? How much time? A little bit of time, that's okay. Of course. Hey, Downton Abbey, it's a good show, I think. Right? I don't. I don't watch it, but anyway, whatever. Everyone raves about it. It's, it's okay, but just just weigh the things, all the different things that we do that are not necessarily you know valuable for our time. Add those up, right? And, and then and then see the proportion, what that might be. Are you investing in your own kingdom or are you investing in God's kingdom? Just just think about that for a moment, right? What are we investing our time in? Now, I'm, I've been learning this, and I'm not there yet, but I'm learning something about the kingdom, and it's beautiful that when we discover the kingdom of God, when we discover heaven now, here, it's like finding treasure that's far more valuable than Five hours of Netflix. Okay? It's so valuable. Jesus talks about this. Matthew 13, verse 45, he says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Heaven, once we taste and see that the Lord is good, It doesn't compare to anything else in in the world. Nothing. When we obtain it, we want more of it. Because we don't obtain the fullness of it, we get a glimpse of it. Once we get a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven, we want more of it and we seek it out and we get more and we want more. We receive more. We want more. And it becomes this perpetual seeking after the kingdom of heaven. We discover it And the more we discover it, the more we yearn for it. The more we yearn for it, the more we find it. And it transforms our lives. And suddenly we become entrenched in the heaven is now and heaven is not yet world. Where that becomes our reality and we live in the light of that. That we can experience and taste and, and, and live in the reality that heaven is now. And also look forward to the fullness of heaven in the near future. So church, may we be a people that yearns for the kingdom of heaven that is both here now and will be here very soon. May we ready our hearts and prepare our minds for the coming King of Kings who will restore all things back to its original design. And may we never stop searching for the kingdom of heaven in our everyday lives, in all that we do, in the people that we meet, the time that we spend at work, at play, whatever it is we're doing, let us discover the kingdom and the fingerprints of the kingdom in all that we do, because it's everywhere. It's all around us. And may heaven continue to manifest in our lives, continually transforming us into the likeness of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not that I'm purposely just foregoing the rest of this prayer, but Father, we really want to get that part of the prayer to know what it is to seek out your kingdom and live with that expectancy of your kingdom of coming down here and manifesting here and and spreading here, both in our lives within us and with those around us. God, we want to live with that expectancy always as a church, as a people, as individuals. God, we ask that by your spirit that you would begin to show us Areas in our lives where we can invest a little bit more in the things of heaven. Where we can let go of the things that we think give us ultimate satisfaction and joy and cling to the things that really do give us satisfaction and joy, and that is you. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Help us discover the realness of that Psalm 1611 in our hearts, in our lives, all the way until Jesus comes back. Father, we thank you. This is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.